Hello, this is Liam with Neil. Thank you so much for downloading or streaming this. This is Homecoming. It's my 2019 Edinburgh Fringe show. I had such a great festival with this show. It was busy. We got nice reviews, got an award, uh, but mainly it was just a lot of fun to do every day. After the festival, I toured it. I went down to Australia. Um, um, there were some more UK dates planned, and then the pandemic hit, uh, and we haven't really done any live gigs since then so i found this audio copy on my laptop uh, i record most of my shows just so that i have a version of it um with no plan to release it and i thought you know what we've had a tough year let's just put it out so this is that uh it's not professionally recorded i think it's fine um it's a good show i it's funny i hope you enjoy it I want to give a big shout out to the guys at Monkey Barrel Comedy who host my Fringe shows every year. Without them, I would never make any money at the Fringe and a lot of my Fringe success is down to those guys. So I hope you enjoy the show. I'll be back uh, in the middle and at the end uh, to chat to you about one or two other things. And yeah, enjoy. Welcome to the show, Jason. Can I get this up just a tiny bit? Thank you very much. Hey guys, thanks for all coming. My name's Liam. Hello. Hello. Thanks for all coming, man. This is cool. Let's do a quick litmus test to the top of the show. Give me a cheer if you're Scottish. Yeah. That is quite a lot for Edinburgh. That's cool, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. Most of the Edinburgh residents have fucking hired out their flats to Chinese mime artists for the month. Boss. They fuck off to Marbella on that. Anyway, okay. Uh, Scottish people, give me a cheer. Oh, we don't Scottish people. Jesus Christ. It's only the start of the show. Okay. English people, give me a cheer. Fair amount, okay. And finally, international people, give me a cheer. Okay, very cool, right? If you're international, welcome to Edinburgh. I hope you love it. I love it. I live here. It's my favourite city on the planet. I will say this: if you're visiting, please come back another time. Uh, this is not—it's not a good time for us at the moment. Uh, the Edinburgh Festival. I love the Edinburgh Fringe. Of course I do. What are you kidding me? Walking up and down the Royal Mile, having like English drama students go, oh flyers. Hey, hey, we're doing Romeo and Juliet, but in Morse code. Come on, yeah. That's great, okay? Love it, of course I do, okay? But that's not a fair representation of Scotland, is all I'm saying. Come back another time when it's more Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Come outside of Edinburgh. Uh, come in February. Come in February on a Tuesday when it's fucking miserable, man. Come there and, and actually get out of Edinburgh. Even then, get out of Edinburgh. Go somewhere. Go to Paisley. Go to, go to Paisley in February on a Tuesday afternoon. Take a flyer with you, all right? Send a flyer down Paisley High Street. Hey. No, 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 we're doing Macbeth, but we're all dressed as bees. Come on. <laughs> See the reaction that guy gets? That's Scotland, man. An English man being fucking stabbed with his own flyer. That's cool, man. Thanks for coming to the show. The show is called Homecoming. Why is it called that? Good question. The show is called that because you have to name these things in January before you know what the fuck it's going to be about. So what I like to do is I give my shows kind of vague sounding titles and then if I'm smart, I crowbar in uh, like an ending to the show that has kind of some sort of relevance to what I've called it. You know what I mean? Uh, this year 
I have not managed that. Uh, <laughs> I managed it last year. Last year, my show was called Homeboy, okay? It ended up being a show about toxic masculinity and modern sexism. And I remember after the first day of the Edinburgh Fringe, I came out of the show, and a reviewer came up to me. She wanted to talk. She went, hi, I love the show. I just have one question. The title, Homeboy. Are you the titular homeboy of which you speak? <laughs> Is the title perhaps a reference to where one feels comfortable as a male in 2019? Where one perhaps is at home as a boy? <laughs> I said, do you think that's good? She said, I think that's amazing. I said, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> you're, you're smart, man. Most people don't get that. Well, um, <laughs> five stars, bitches! Uh, slightly other minds doing a show about feminism and then shouting, Five stars, bitches. But anyway, um, what's the show about? Good question. Again, very good questions today. Uh, if you were perusing the Fringe Guide and you came uh, across this show, you would have read the blurb, okay? And the blurb is another thing that you got to write in January before you know what the show is going to be, okay? So I was sat there in January with my quill, pondering, hmm, what is this year's show going to be about? Hmm, I wonder. Uh, uh, and I knew one thing, big thing that was going to happen between January and August. One big thing was I was going to Japan with my wife for three weeks for our honeymoon, okay? So I thought, what kind of crazy adventures are me and the wife going to get up to in Japan, alright? You can bet your bottom dollar it's going to be pretty hilarious. Us two bloody klutzes on the road for three weeks and what's going to go wrong with it? So I wrote the, the blurb and the blurb says, three weeks in Japan with my wife. What could go wrong? And then we went to Japan, and it turns out, nothing. It was an amazing trip, trip of a lifetime. Oh my god, good culture, great people, the food. Oh, really, I mean, amazing, but not that fucking funny. So, if you came here expecting an hour of cultural commentary on uh, Japan, uh, I've got nothing for you. Um, sorry about that. It's a fucking mental way to do things, the Edinburgh Fringe. You have to sit there in January, you have to book a room, get your posters all done, get the title, get the blurb, before you know anything of what it's going to be, okay? It's a totally backwards way of running things. It makes me very anxious every single year. I try and explain it to normal people every year. That's you, by the way. You're normal people, okay? That's what we call you. Normals, uh, civilians, uh, muggles, some, some of them call you. Anyway, okay, I try and explain it every year how stressful it is. Imagine you went out one night, okay, and uh, you got pissed and you signed up to Dragon's Den, okay? Uh, if you're American, you call it Shark Tank, Dragon's Den, and if you're Australian, you call it New Inventors, because Australians, not so shit hot when it comes to metaphors. Anyway. Imagine in a moment of madness when you were wasted, you just signed up on an online form, okay? You woke up the next morning, couldn't remember anything about the night before, but you got a single voicemail. It's from the studio, and it says, right, Get down to the office tomorrow, you're going to be on the show. And you're like, oh shit, but I don't have an invention, okay? That's me about two minutes after I've signed up to the Edinburgh Fringe. Go, why am I doing this again? I don't have anything to fucking say. Panic sets in, okay? You know you've got to go to Dragon's Den, see a stand-up all night in your garage, just gluing random bits of shit together, panicking, hoping to accidentally invent something, okay? A yoga pot and an umbrella. Does that make a thing? I don't fucking know! 
show, okay? Freaking out, man, okay? That's me in my previews, just throwing shit at the wall, hoping that something sticks, okay? And then the next day, you're walking to the Dragon's Den studio with nothing, going, fuck, what am I doing? This is me two weeks before the festival. Why am I going? I have nothing. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. This is how Fire Festival happened. I am... I am gonna have to suck a dick for a bottle of water, okay? That's all that documentary. And then you get there, and this is me, day one of the Edinburgh Fringe. You walk out, the dragons are looking at you, they're going, Well, what's your invention? And you're like, Um, shoe canoes. <laughs> canoes for your shoes? <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is, there might be a few shoe canoes in this year's show. Um, we'll see if we can spot them together. Uh, I can tell you about my year. What happened this year? Any big news? I turned 30, and, um, yeah, that's about the response that deserves. <laughs> so, audience, is clap or whoop. You guys sit there indifferently. So fucking what, mate? Well, fair enough. It's funny, right? As soon as you say, I've turned 30 in front of a room full of people, you can immediately tell who is above 30 and who is below 30, okay? Because everyone above 30 looks at me with hate in their eyes as if to say, don't you fucking dare, okay? Don't you start talking about being old or getting older. You're only 30. You don't know what old is, mate. I'm old. You come and talk to me when you've got fucking hemorrhoids, mate, okay? He's saying that with your eyes, okay? I can also tell everyone who is below 30 because they're the people looking at me going, what is the future like, old man? Do you know what Fortnite is? Hmm. Can you do this? <laughs> a rather muted response for the floss today. Uh, I'm going to be honest, that pisses me off because I uh, it took hours to learn uh, specifically for that joke, okay? I stood for two hours watching a laptop, okay, resting on a dining room chair with a YouTube tutorial called How to Floss on it, okay? For hours, just for that punch. <laughs> One point I heard a door creak behind me. I looked around and it was my wife and we caught eyes and it was a real low point for our marriage. <laughs> she was like, what are you doing? I was like, working. <laughs> it is work, shut up. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't really freak out about turning 30 because nothing really changed apart from one thing. I've got one new thing in my life that I've noticed and that is I've started making new noises, right? Now, I don't mean old man getting up out of a chair noises. Been doing that for ages. But I've got this new noise that I like to call screams of existential dread into the darkness for no reason. Anyone else do that? I just find myself throughout the day going, Ugh. What was that, man? Where did that go? Ugh. I was in my kitchen the other day, and out of nowhere I went, oh, fuck. My wife ran in and went, what's wrong? I was like, oh, I don't know. Life, it's just still happening, isn't it? It's still here. Fucking bored of it, quite frankly. I feel like I didn't freak out about turning 30, because I feel like I've kind of been 30 for a while, you know? Like, uh, I'm married, so it's quite a 30-year-old thing to be. I'm also sober, I haven't drank in about four years, right? And, um... Interesting. Inter oh, very interesting. Okay, we had one whoop with the well done, and then one man heard that whoop and said, No whooping for this. I must counter the whoop with a boot, okay? Fair enough, okay? We're back to equilibrium now. Any good energy has been discounted. It's funny, man. Everywhere, everywhere I go, that gets a different response. I did some gigs in America last year, and see if you stand on stage in an American comedy club and say, I haven't drank for four years. They clap, okay? <laughs> Instantaneous round of applause. They go, man, and people want to talk to you after... No, it's too late, okay? 
I appreciate this is like a corner of goodwill down here, you know, that's great, but, but it's fine, okay? You say, and people want to talk to you in American clubs after the gig. You say that, they come to you, they're like, I just want to say, thank you for sharing your story, okay? I feel inspired by your journey. I myself gave up gluten for two weeks last fall. So I kind of feel like reconnecting. Yeah, I don't get that response in Scotland, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it, I said, drank in four years, and that guy, boo! What's wrong with you? That's fine, you know, that's fine. No, no, no harm meant. It's just that different, different uh, audiences always react to different things in different cultures, specifically, man. I've been around the world this year. I've been to, uh, been to Japan, went to America. I also went to Australia. Do we have any Australians here? Cool, let's make fun of them. Okay, so... No, I'm not going to be too mean about Australians. I went there for the Adelaide Comedy Festival. Very exciting, okay? I got there, and look, I know this isn't a particularly hot take, okay? But Australia is hot, okay? I don't know if you've heard, it's pretty hot down there, okay? I knew it was hot. I didn't, wasn't quite prepared for what it was going to be like. It was fucking... 42 degrees, okay? That's centigrade, by the way. Four, two, little zero. That was fucked up, man. I couldn't handle it. I was stood outside phoning people in the UK going, can you guys fucking recycle or something? I don't know how global warming works, but I could not handle this. My fucking shadow is sweating. This is not good. Why is it 42? The only time I want to see 42 written down is when I'm preheating an oven. This is bullshit. I am not a margarita. It was bad, man. I was out there uh, performing. I was hosting shows. If you go to a regular comedy night, often what you have is like a compare guy. He comes out, he does some cheeky banter with the audience, then he introduces the comedians. This is a job I do a lot. Love doing that. And I was out there do in Australia doing this every night. And my first night, this is what I mean. Different audiences, different cultures just react to different things. And that's fine, okay? But I did not expect it to go like this. I was stood, waiting for the show to start off stage, right? And if you're coming to a comedy night early enough, what you might see sometimes is the compare, before the show starts, have a little peek. Just go. Like that, okay? <laughs> we might pretend we're looking for something, so we'll go. <laughs> you know what's frustrating, okay? I'm going to go off script a little bit here, is that uh, this part of the show, me poking my head out from the hallway, gets more consistent laughs than any other thing <laughs> I, I've been writing this show since January, okay? and the, the poking the head out of the fire, that was just a bit that happened one day. What's the, what's the point of fucking hell? Anyway. So what you might see, compares, we peek out, right? we go, oh yeah, we're looking. And what we're actually doing is, we're going, I wonder if there's any cunts in. <laughs> Just to prepare ourselves for what might happen. Stag do's, hen parties, that sort of thing, work do's, okay? So we have a quick look around. And this, right, we looked out, I looked out my first day, and I noticed in the front row, there was a man with a mullet. No, you're right to laugh, it's funny, isn't it, okay? He had a mullet, okay? The funniest of all the haircuts, all right? Now, I don't mean he'd grown his hair a little bit long, and, and that I was calling, hey, it looks like, like he had a mullet, okay? I don't know if I'm being clear enough about this. He had gone to a barber's and he had sat down and gone, mullet me up, mate. And the barber had gone, one mullet, coming this way. And they both walked away happy with the situation, okay? You gotta understand, as a compare, that's very exciting, okay? I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna talk to him about his mullet, it's gonna be funny, everyone's gonna laugh. Look, I've been gigging in Scotland for the last 10 years. No offense, Scottish people, but. You all kind of look the same, okay? Now, I have gigged pretty much exclusively to pasty white men in super dry t-shirts for the last 10 years. 
the guy had a fucking mullet, okay? So enamoured with the mullet was I that I did not even immediately realise he was also wearing a leather waistcoat. Now that is almost too much information. It's like staring directly at the sun, you know what I mean? He was wearing a leather waistcoat in 42 degrees, much I add. I don't know if he put it on in 35 degrees and it just melted and became part of his body. Either way, there was a lot for a cop to work with, okay? So I got ready. You know what? I'll do it one more time to treat you. The announcer brought me on went, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Leo with nail. Everyone went crazy, they went, yeah, oh my god, we've heard of this guy, yeah. And I got it, I got to the stage, and before the applause could even die down, I was like, hey, you've got a mullet? And the guy went, yeah, so fucking what? And the audience clapped him. It's <laughs> not how this is supposed to go. So I doubled down, I was like, yeah, and you've got a leather waistcoat, and he went, well, what the fuck have you got? And I was like, no, um, shoe canoes. Canoes for your shoes? Another drink, excuse me. It's hot in here. Look, if, uh, if you're roasting, you need to go out and get some water or something. Just go, don't worry, it won't be nice to you. It's very hot in here today. Um, I love Australia. My wife is from there, so I've been there a number of times. Here's something I learned this time, actually. See, in this country, having an Australian wife, it's kind of exotic, a little bit glamorous, some might say. I meet people, I'm like, I have a wife. They go, oh, where's she from? I'm like, Australia. They go, wow. I bet she's tan. I bet she's athletic. I bet she surfs to work on an avocado shell. Yeah. And then I go to Australia. And I meet people, I go, I have a wife. And they go, oh, where's she from? And I say, Australia. And they go, oh, which bit? And I go, oh, it's a town just outside Melbourne called Moe. And they go, ugh. <laughs> and it turns out I've married someone from the Australian equivalent of fucking Dundee. It's absolute bullshit. I've been tricked. She tricked me. She's, I've been swindled. I didn't know she was scum. Turns out she's scum. <laughs> Australia for two months. I was there for two months. She was only there for one month. Before she left, she had to come back here for work. Right before she went, before she left Australia to come back here for work, she decided to, she wanted to show me some Australian culture, which apparently is a thing. We, uh, we went to a, an AFL game. Anyone here have been to the AFL? Couple of people. Oh my god, it's amazing. Okay. Highly recommended, if you're in Australia, go to an AFL. Aussie rules football, it is. Now, I'll explain the rules very quickly. It's similar to British football. British football, you've got two teams. Aim of the game is to get the ball into the other team's goal, okay? Aussie rules are very simple. You've got two teams. Uh, aim of the game is to kick the fuck out of the other team, and there's a ball somewhere. It truly is the sport of kings. Now, the team that she goes for uh, is called the Geelong Cats, okay? And uh, that's actually a little bit of uh, Australian slang there, right? Out, out there, they don't say, what team do you support? They say, who do you go for? Who do you go for? Oh, I'll go for the cats. Who do you go for? Right? There's a little, little bit of colloquialism out there. I didn't know this. A little while after we were married, I was doing a gig with an Australian comedian. And I said to him, hey, I married an Australian woman. And he went, oh, yeah? Who does she go for? <laughs> and I was like, she goes for me. <laughs> He was like, nah, man, nah, 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 who does she support? I was like, she supports me. I'm a stand-up comedian, she supports me financially and emotionally. I am who she goes for. The team she actually goes for is called the Geelong Cats, okay? A lot of AFL teams are named after animals. You have the Geelong Cats, the Sydney Swans, you have the Adelaide Crows. We don't really do that with British football teams because we're grown-ups. So, 
We went along, we went along to watch the Geelong Cats play a game. We were stood in the stands. The team comes out, okay? And then a song started playing, okay? Now look, British football teams have songs. Sports and songs go together very often. Them just having songs, not in itself, inherently that funny, I guess, okay? Liverpool, in this country, they have a song, you know? They go, you'll never walk alone. And it's a song about teamwork, standing by your man, no matter what happens. It's quite powerful when 50,000 people scream that, you know? My, my team is called West Ham. We have a song, and it goes, I'm forever blowing bubbles. Yeah, no, all right, you can laugh at that. That makes less sense to me. It's actually kind of a weird song, because West Ham is like in the east end of London. That's where Cockneys live, okay? Think of like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. Cockneys kind of have an international reputation for being kind of like happy-go-lucky, rooftop dancing, toe-tapping, you know, racist criminals. That's us. The song is not so happy. The song goes, I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high, nearly reach the sky. Then, like my dreams, they fade and die. It's a very fucking nihilistic song to sing before a game of football, you know what I mean? But it seems that, oh, hey, life is ultimately meaningless. Hey, hey. Anyway. I guess if you were looking for meaning in that song, you could say it's about the ascent of hope, okay? You've got this bubble floating towards the sky, and you're going, look, I know it's going to burst, but that doesn't matter. It's still beautiful. And that's West Ham saying, hey, we're West Ham. We might not win any tournaments or trophies or games, you know? It's not about that for us. Now, the Genome Cats have a song. I'm gonna sing you the song, okay? And whilst I'm singing it, I want you to think, who wrote this song? And for what reason? Now, the first line is fine, okay? The first line goes, We are Geelong, the greatest team of all. Remember at the start of the show when we said Australians not so shit hot at metaphors? I feel like this cements that idea, you know? Not much room for nuance or interpretation there, they've just introduced themselves. But that's fine, okay? It's not the funny bit. And the second line goes, We are Geelong, we're always on the ball. At this point I'm thinking, which ten-year-old boy pens this little ditty, I wonder? Why is this song so shit? It's their song, you know? But it's the third line that made me laugh so much that my wife asked me to leave, okay? <laughs> Think about what the point of football songs is. Ultimately, it's about intimidating your foe. Liverpool are going, we are such a together unit. You can't break us down. You'll never walk alone. That's powerful, okay? West Ham are saying, look, the bubble's going to burst. We know we're not going to win, but we don't fucking care. That's terrifying. That's the psychopath's mantra right there. Think of the New Zealand All Blacks doing the hacker before their game. Stay into the souls of their enemies going, we're gonna fucking murder you, okay? <laughs> Scary stuff. How did the genome cats intimidate their foes? By going, we play the game as it should be played. <laughs> That's the shittiest post I've ever heard. We know the rules. <laughs> We've read the manual. <laughs> we're the genome cats. <laughs> <laughs> I was gone, I was gone for a few weeks, a few, few months. Gone for two months in Australia, came back to this country. Uh, before I did, right? It's weird, when you're away for a long time, you don't really... Two months is a long time to be away, is what I'm trying to say. 
You don't really uh, expect to miss the things that you miss. Some things you know you're going to miss. Friends, family, home comforts. Then some things creep up on you. you wake up one day, you go, ah, oh, shit, I haven't had that in a while, you know? And one of the things for me was I'm broke. Weird. I'm English, right? I lived in Scotland for 10 years and I've gone native. <laughs> I miss it, you know, when I'm, I'm away. It's delicious. Where are the international people going to cheer? Less than earlier. Weird. <laughs> some immigration papers have been stamped halfway through the show. Well, I'm technically not international now. <laughs> um, if, you're, if you're visiting, then Iron Brew is Scotland's real national drink, and you should, you should try it. Delicious stuff. Um, word of warning, uh, where I'm from, we, we call these uh, fizzy drinks. If you're American, you call them soda, you know? And uh, here in Scotland, in Edinburgh in particular, they are called juice. <laughs> what the fuck's going on there? There's no warning to English people about that. We're not told that. There's no pamphlet handed to you at the border or anything. You're expected just to know. But you don't know, so obviously this leads to hilarious misunderstandings, okay? One of which I will tell you now. I remember when I was 20 years old, I had a Glaswegian girlfriend. We woke up one day in bed together. She was hungover, obviously. And I... <laughs> Leaned over to her and said, oh no, you've got a hangover, honey. Is there anything I can do to make you feel better, okay? And she went, I want juice. <laughs> now, I thought I was being a good boyfriend, okay? I was like, okay, I'm going to get some good brownie points here. I'm going to go out, I'm going to get some fresh fruit, and I'm going to make some freshly squeezed orange juice, okay? Yeah, hear the Scots laughing at my idiocy there. <laughs> orange juice, you fucking fool boy. I didn't know, because in my naivety, I thought by juice, she meant fucking juice, okay? Turns out she meant something different. I didn't know this. I went out to get some oranges. I had to go to fucking Newcastle for those. I came back. Came back. And I squeezed the fruit into a glass, okay? And I went into the bedroom. I was so full of beans, man. I was so sure I had done the right thing, you know? I came in like, bounded in. Hey, honey, honey, wake up. I've got you. She came out from under the duvet and went, Fox, huh? It's juice. She went, that's no juice. I was like, no, it is. It's juice. I brought it for you to make you feel better. And she said the scariest words I've ever heard in a Scottish accent. She went, here, don't you ever, ever, ever fuck with my juice. <laughs> and of course, the juice she meant was iron brew. A delicious drink. People of Scotland love iron brew. Scotland, one of the only countries in the world where... Coca-Cola is not the leading soft drink. It is, in fact, Iron Brew. The people of Scotland love Iron Brew so much that even though it is orange, Celtic fans will still drink it. It is the only thing capable of crossing that divide. If you don't get that joke, feel free to Google sectarianism after the show. I, uh, I love Iron Brew so much, right? But we are going to touch now, briefly, on the slight controversy regarding Iron Brew in the last two years, okay? Wow, okay. You hear that rumble, okay? International people are very confused right now, I'm sure. Look, if you are Scottish and you need to take five minutes outside whilst we talk about this, I totally understand. Really, I probably should have put a trigger warning on the flyer. Okay, we'll, we'll get through it together. 
about a year and a half ago, there was a slight recipe change, okay? And, uh, and people were not happy, all right? They still unhappy, still, okay? And for good reason, because the recipe for iron brew has remained unchanged for many thousands of years, okay? It's very simple. You get 290 teaspoons of sugar, and you pour that into the can, and you... And then you take it to Loch Lomond, right? And there is an old stone cabin on the banks, okay? You knock three times on the door, the creaks open, a little old lady steps outside, you hold the can under her chin, and she whispers, Mon nene, we come. And the spell is cast, you know? There's one or two other steps, you need to show it to some Kelpies, that involves going to Falkirk, I would not recommend that. Either way, how you make special potion that is iron brew. That is until last year the Scottish government got involved and they said, no! It's too much sugar! From now on you can only have 220 teaspoons of sugar per can! And the people of Scotland will fuck themselves. What the fuck is that? That's disgusting! Here, let me ever, ever, ever fuck with my juice! People will stop buying Iron Brew in preparation for the change. They'll change this next week. We need to get as much Iron Brew as possible before they ruin it forever, okay? There are basements in Glasgow with 400 crates of Iron Brew. That's birthdays and Christmas for life. That'll do us, right? I was in a cafe in on Byers Road in Glasgow. I swear this is true, okay? I sat down, I saw a little old lady get a sausage sandwich and a can of Iron Brew a few days after the recipe had changed, okay? She looked suspiciously at the can, right? She put it down, she cracked it open, and before she had a sip, I swear this is true, she got a little sachet of sugar for tea, and she topped that shell. I swear. <laughs> I made that up, but it's true. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Just want to mention a couple of things before we get into the second half. Uh, I put this show out for free. It was important to me that it was free, especially after the year we've had, so that everybody could have access to it. Um, if they wanted to. If, however, you want to make a donation, uh, chuck a fiver or a tenner or, or whatever, then there is a link in the description um, for a coffee page, which I've set up. I'm a stand-up comedian. All of the venues in Scotland have been closed down um, since March. So um, I've not been able to work in eight months. Um, I know that's the case for a lot of people. So if you're skint or whatever, please don't worry about it. There's one thing you can do, which is even better than sending me money. And that is tell your friends, uh, share it on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, whatever you do, MySpace, just let people know that there's this free comedy special. Um, I would rather have more people hear this then make a small amount of money from it. So um, that's one way you can, can really help. Um, just go out and support artists. Just share their stuff. It's a really amazing way that you can support someone. Uh, okay, thanks. Uh, I will send you back to the rest of the show um, and the big finale and chat to you at the end. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I got back, got back from Australia. Hadn't seen my wife in a month. That was weird because she'd had to come back before me. Which meant we, I had to kind of move back in with my wife. It was unusual, but quite an unconventional couple, I think. Like most modern couples, I think they, they move in together uh, and they go, oh, you're not a psychopath. Uh, and then they get married, okay? Well, due to various reasons, we didn't have that luxury, right? We, we had to get married and then move in with each other. And they go, oh, you're a psychopath, cool. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm stuck, okay? Um, and for the most part, it's great. 
love living together. It's working very well. There's just one thing that is um, uh, confusing me, I think is the word, um, bamboozling me uh, on a daily basis. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, right? I want you to know that I know what a stupid thing it is to say, okay? What's coming next, okay? I'm on your side with this. I'm going to say, well, what the fuck are you talking about, okay? I know, okay? Well, I'll just get it out of there, okay? <clears throat> We've lived together for two and a half years. In that time, I do not believe my wife has pooed. <laughs> What a ridiculous notion, okay? Of course she has, she's a human, but listen, if a poo has happened in that house from that woman, from that bum, I don't know how or where or when, she's a secret shitter and it's driving me fucking mental, okay? I don't know how she's doing it, I feel like a detective in my own goddamn flat, sneaking around, looking for clues. Look, she's never paused Netflix halfway through and gone, oh, just need to go to the bathroom, that's never happened. I've never walked into the bathroom and gone, fucking Jesus Christ, that's never happened. I don't know how she's doing it and the other way around, it doesn't work like that. She knows before I'm going to the bathroom. But I'm, sometimes I just stand up and she goes, are you going to the toilet? I'm like, how do you know, you creature? It's driving me mad, man. I don't know how she's doing it. I've got a few theories of how she's doing it and you'll be lucky, you'll be pleased to know I'm going to talk you through all three of them now, okay? First theory, this is the one most commonly proffered to me, that is that, hey, Liam, she's honestly just doing it when you are out of the house, okay? Now look, I find this theory hard to get on board with because it suggests a level of cooperation between the brain and the bowels that I find unfathomable, okay? Perhaps it's because I live on a diet of pizza, crisps and iron brew, but the fact that I did, someone could sit there with a Google calendar and go, right, it's two o'clock now, I need a poo, I need to work at seven, I'll just wait five hours, that's bonkers to me, okay? I can't even imagine that being in existence. My stomach gives me a five minute friendly warning on a good day, okay? My bowels operate like the real IRA. I get a phone call, there's a bomb in the building, you need to evacuate immediately! It's getting worse as well, man. It's getting worse. I'm not going to get too gross, okay? But the farts, as you get older, they get worse, okay? Don't get me wrong, the farts are farts and they smell like poo. That's just a fact of life, okay? It's not like when I was 20, I'd do a little fart and someone would go, Ooh, someone opened a lush near here. That never happened, okay? They've always been bad, but they're getting worse. They're getting too powerful. The other day, I was in my living room, I did a fart, and in the kitchen, a fork fell off the drying rack. I thought, where is this going to end, man? That's not good. A little while ago, right, they've got a staying power, which is frankly fucking scary, okay? The other day, I went to do the shop. I do the big shop because I'm a feminist, right? Before I went, I did a fart, a tactical fart, in the flat before I go to Sainsbury's. You don't want to fart in Sainsbury's because the security guard looks at you funny, okay? So, quick tactical for Tesco, you could maybe get away with it, okay? Little, you're actually encouraged to fart on the way in. Anyway, quick tactical fart, locked the door, went and did the big shop, came back 45 minutes later, opened the door, the fart was still in the flat, ladies and gentlemen. So what the fuck have you been doing? Am I goddamn fried for the last 45 minutes? Watching Netflix, throwing forks around? Anyway. Theory number two of three. <laughs> oh, I came up with this myself. I went into the bathroom a little while ago and I noticed she had lit a scented candle, right? I thought, ha, 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 got you now, bitch. I see how you've been doing. You've been covering your tracks. Very clever. <laughs> the whole bathroom smelled like lavender with a hint of cinnamon. Very good. Now look, I'm a good scientist. I've got my hypothesis. It is time to run an evidence-based experiment. So next time I went to the bathroom, I lit the very same candle. And did it smell like lavender with a hint of cinnamon? Did it fuck? Is 
smelt like shit with a hint of lavender, okay? The cinnamon had completely evaporated from the situation. That cinnamon died for nothing, you know? My third and final theory is that I have married some sort of rabbit woman who poos odorless pellets in a quick succession. It has to be quick, I think. Perfectly spherical. Very, she chooses her moments wisely. Maybe when I go make a cup of tea or something, she's like, go, go, go! <laughs> Catch them in her hand, and then when I run back, she's like, puts them in her pocket, maybe? And then she goes out to do the recycling, she shakes them out the bottom of her leg like Andy Dufresne in the short track in the I worry that people came to last year's show, which was like a, um, a searing takedown of modern sexism, uh, and they're, they're coming going, I wonder what social commentary Liam's got us for us this year. <laughs> Ten minutes on my wife's shit, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's been going on. Mm. I do love living with her. It is going very well. We're very happy. I think one of the reasons that we're happy is before we got married, we sat down, we had a big conversation, okay, about what we both want from life and if we can provide that for each other. I think it's very important if you're entering a lifetime contract, okay? One thing we agreed on is that neither of us wanted children, okay? And I think that's been very helpful for us to have had that conversation and it means it's not a thorny issue later, you know? I should at this point say we don't have children. We, um... <laughs> We got to a point where we just we just decided we didn't, you know, and it's weird. It feels weird as, as, as someone in a young couple, the need to justify that to people all the time. People don't like it. They hear you're a young couple, you're married, they want to know reasons, they have questions all the time. Uh, now, I'll tell you why I don't want kids, okay? I can only speak for myself. Uh, remember at the start of the show when I said I hadn't drank for four years, okay? That's because I used to drink all the time. I used to drink every night, I used to take drugs all the time. I lived a chaotic life of alcohol and drug addiction. And see when you sober up from that and you start living a life of recovery, one of the best daily gifts of sobriety you have is this real sense of freedom, okay? This real idea that, hey, I get to make my own decisions now. I'm not living my life. We're having choices made for me by this abstract force, you know? And I just feel like having a kid would be a return to that lifestyle, you know? I just... Yeah, now I can tell who the parents are in the room. Instead of ones looking at me going, are you comparing having a child, the most beautiful moment of my life, uh, to relapse into drink and drug abuse? <laughs> yes, I am! Listen, if I had a kid tomorrow, I would have no money, no sleep, and my flat would be covered in piss, shit, and puke. I have lived that lifestyle. I have no wish to return. People have questions all the time, man, to hear a young couple. It's the only thing I can think of where the absence of a thing makes people get up in your shit, you know? There's lots of things we don't have that we don't want that other people don't care about. We don't have, for example, a swimming pool. We don't particularly want a swimming pool. But I don't have to do with my aunties phoning me up from Ireland every two weeks, going, oh, jeez, you've been married for a couple of years now. Have you talked about getting a little paddling pool? Oh, God, it just suits you. I'll come over and look after it. I swear to God, I'll move. I'll move to the I'll clean the bastard up. People have questions, man. If you're entitled to a reason, people come up and they say, Oh, is that one kids? Why not? As if it's as if it's any of their business, you know. I say, well, just because we don't. They say, Oh, can you? Fucking Presumably, we haven't checked. I mean I don't check because we don't know because we want them. They say, Oh we'll never say never, you know, you might change your mind. I'm like, yeah. That's what change your mind means, you know? You have to be of mind to potentially fucking change it. For example, I used to think you were a nice lady. I have changed my fucking mind. Oh, I think it's a real shame, you know? I think you'd make a really good dad. 
Really? <laughs> well, why? Well, for what? We're, we have no evidence to support that claim. Do you know what I mean? I've only ever had to look after one person ever, and that was me. And I made a monumental fuck up of that. Does not introduce actual living creatures into the situation. Couples who have recently had kids, they're the worst, man. I've had the same conversation with six or seven different couples. They feel the need to convince you. They come up and they say, oh, you don't want kids. Oh my God, well, me and Brian didn't want kids, right? And then little Penelope actually surprised us. And uh, oh my God, it's such a gift. Every day she's a blessing. <laughs> and I would believe that story more if I even just one time heard the alternate version of that. Even if just one time someone came up to me and went, you don't want kids? Oh, me and Brian didn't want kids. Then little Penelope surprised us. And we fucking hate that bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you want to buy a kid? Because we are selling Penelope! We don't feel guilty about not wanting children, you know? That's completely up to us. It's not, any, it's not anyone's business, you know? There's only one instance where we feel a little pang of like, oh, okay. And that is right. We've got this couple friend, okay? In fact, that's something that happens. I don't know if it's a 30 thing or a married thing, right? But we ha I, used to, I used to have friends. And they were my friends. <laughs> now, I don't have friends. We have friends. And these friends aren't singular beings, they too come in twos, you know? And they're called couple friends. And some of these couple friends are people that I used to be friends with, who now have partners. And I go, okay, well, here's someone I like, and they've got with them someone I kind of half like, okay, fine. But some of these couple friends are people that she used to be friends with, and they have brought their partners. And I go, okay, well, here's someone I half like, and they've brought someone I. Half, half like, and how is it? I know twice as many people, yet I'm half as fucking happy. When did that happen? <laughs> anyway, we don't feel guilty about not wanting children apart from in one particular circumstance with one particular couple. We had them over for dinner, we've been chatting about it, and it turns out they do want kids. They want kids really badly, and it's not been working. They've been through IVF a number of times, it's been very stressful, very traumatic, very upsetting. When they said that, we got this real pang of like, oh shit, okay? That feels bad. Weirdly, here's something that they want so much that they just can't have, whereas we presumably are able to and we just casually don't want. You know, I can't imagine what that is like for them. You know, the closest I can come to understanding what that must feel like is how I feel as a recovering alcoholic when I see someone who doesn't have a drinking problem turn down free booze. <laughs> Like I'll be at a wedding and someone's passing out champagne flutes and they go, mm, no thank you. I say, why not? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> well, never say never. You might change your mind. Personally, I think you'd make a very good drunk. <laughs> it's good for the planet as well. Good for the planet, no one and kids. That's another good reason. George Monbiot was on the television the other day and he was saying that if you care about the planet, the best you can do is you can stop flying or you can go vegan, okay? They're the two best things you can do if you care about uh, making a difference to climate change. Although, I think there's one thing that's better than both of them, and that is not having children. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. That as a whole life form, not taking up uh, a whole life's worth of materials, of resources, or food, of travel, that's got to be good for the planet in the long run, you know what I mean? Also, we like to think that if we have kids, they're going to be like this little updated, perfect versions of ourselves, do you know what I mean? Like, like an iPhone update or something, you know? But but we have very little control, ultimately. They could grow up and end up being a fucking oil tycoon or some mad shit. That's really bad for a planet. Look, all I'm saying is, I reckon I can fly to New Zealand and back once a week for the rest of my life with 20 Dago heaters pointed at me for the entire journey whilst punching a seal to death and I would have less impact on the planet than any of you fucking breeders. That's what I'm saying. <laughs>
If you care about the planet, you should invest heavily in contraception. That's all I'm saying, okay? In fact, wearing a condom is one of the only instances where a single-use plastic is good for the planet. That's all I'm saying. We've, we've crossed a real milestone when it comes to talking about the environment and public, right? There's a real moment, you can normally pick it out, right? And that is when enough people care about an issue that big corporations can use it to sell you shit, okay? And we've started that with environment in the last few years, okay? You get companies, big companies like Greg's, introduced the vegan sausage roll. They're like, yay! Vegan sausage roll! Yeah! And it's like, sure, they're delicious, great, okay? But... You're not vegan. Let's not pretend that you are doing this because you care about the planet or animals. Like, sure, there's a vegan sausage roll out there, but it's next to a steak bake. Do you know what I mean? It's not, let's not pretend, okay? That's fine, you know, sure, it's an extra good thing, whatever. McDonald's. McDonald's introduced the paper straw last year. And yay, with McDonald's, paper straw, save the turtles. And it's like, yeah, but you're McDonald's. You're the most evil of all the corporate capitalist whores ever. That's you. You're the, you're the, let's not pretend you're doing that for any altruistic reasons. You've seen a little example for some good PR, and that's why you've introduced it, okay? But then I started to kind of do think that even if that is the reason, you know, perhaps, even if it, is a, if it comes from a bad reason, it can still be a good thing, still reduces waste, I suppose, you know? And then I saw that a petition had been started online, and the petition was called... Bring back plastic straws in McDonald's! And 60,000 people had signed it. Can you believe it? I was like, it's so selfish. I, I was like, for what, what, what justification can you possibly have? And I went online and I read the comments and people were saying stuff like, We don't like the new paper straws. We don't like the texture. And I was like, I'm sorry. You're in McDonald's! You don't get to complain about the texture of fucking anything! You signed that waiver when you bought a McNugget, you know what I mean? Um, the paper texture of the straw is really ruining the texture of my mashed up goat hoof burger. Are you fucking kidding me? You're struggling to use a paper straw in McDonald's. The straw is not the problem in your life, mate. You've got bigger issues you need to address other than the method of transportation between the sugary goop and your stupid mouth, okay? Complaining about a paper straw in McDonald's is like a junkie complaining that there's a coffee stain on his spoon. You've got bigger issues, mate. You're there. Who's been using my spoon? This is my heroin spoon and now it's got coffee on it. I've told you before, heroin spoons in the bathroom, coffee spoons in the kitchen. Now there's I'm never going to get to sleep. <laughs> People just don't like change, man. It's as simple as that. Something changes, it makes us feel abnormal. We go, it's changed. Things didn't used to be that way. And it kind of, it's a reflex reaction. You go, things used to be different. I used to be younger. I used to be stronger. I used to be less close to death. That's all that happens. So people reject change. No, oh, no, I don't like it. I've got a Kindle this year. I love my Kindle. It's great. Actually, a little side note, reading is another gift of sobriety, okay? I used to love reading when I was a little guy, and uh, then, believe it or not, I kind of fell off the book wagon when I discovered ketamine. <laughs> anyway, got a Kindle this year, love my Kindle. Love buying a book, downloading a new book, reading a new book is great. I was showing my friend, I was like, I got a Kindle. He was like, I don't like Kindles. I was like, why not? He said, I prefer the feel of a real book. I'm like, what are you feeling books for? You're fucking audible, okay? It's unusual. Where's John? No, he's a mortarstone stroking the gruffalo. It's weird. Yeah, but you know what? That Kindle's never going to give you that nice new book smell. 
Stop sniffing books. Read them. They're for reading. And you know what? Maybe it won't give me a nice new Kindle smell. Nice new book smell. Fuck that up. Doesn't matter, okay? We'll move on. We'll one punchline down. I love change. I think change is good. I think people moan about change or ultimately moaning about something else in their own life, okay? I love smartphones. The same friend was complaining about them. He was like, I was on a, I was on a train the other day. And everyone was just staring at their phone. No one was talking to each other. It's just arrogance, isn't it? Imagine thinking that you are worth talking to. <laughs> Compared to a phone, think of what a phone is. A phone is a supercomputer. It's connected to the internet. The internet is the largest database of freely available information that has ever existed, ever. It has all recorded human history on it. It has every book ever written, every play, every poem, every song ever produced, every TV show or film ever made. And you've got what? Fucking kids. I couldn't give a fuck, Barbara, quite frankly, okay? I'm trying to read about the destabilization of the Ottoman Empire here and what? Jack Seven? Try fucking harder now! I say reading about the Ottoman Empire and watching a fucking video of a dog on a sled or some shit. <laughs> some claps there. Have you seen dog on a sled? Oh my god. It is amazing. Look, honestly, after the show, go on the street. YouTube, dog on a sled. It is funnier than anything in the Edinburgh Festival. It should have won the Edinburgh Comedy Award, okay? Look, I'll, I'll talk you through it. You open it up, okay? Mid-action, there's a dog on a fucking sled, okay? <laughs> Sliding down a hill, and you're like, who put that dog on that sled? <laughs> and then the dog gets to the bottom of the hill, picks up the sled in his mouth, runs to the top, and then he sits in the sled, you're like, the dog put the dog on the sled! That's a good dog! <laughs> anyway, I was talking about how we appropriate nostalgia to sell people shit, so, um, I do worry about that, man. It's just, it is, it's just nostalgia. People use that nostalgia to tap into something deep within us, you know what I mean? So they say, oh, remember, Remember when phones went around? We all used to talk to each other. No, we didn't. It's lies. Do you know what I mean? Remember when sugar was an iron brew? Wasn't that much better? It's like, no, we all died much younger. Do you know what I mean? Oh, remember when passports were blue? Wasn't life better? Why? Why does that matter at all? Do you know what I mean? Fucking Farage, man. He came to Edinburgh. He came to Edinburgh for a Brexit party rally. And uh, just by pure coincidence, it was a couple weeks after McDonald's had seen another little gap in the market. And they had introduced their new product, the McRacist Repellent. Okay? <laughs> also known as the Milkshake. Um, I don't know, if you're from, not from this country, you might not know, we started throwing milkshake at racists, okay? Now look, I know that we shouldn't throw things at people because we disagree with them politically, and that we should engage people in debate. <laughs> but it's fucking funny, it's funny to see Farage with his stupid past sliding milkshake down, it's hilarious to me. I love that shit, okay? He came to Edinburgh for a Brexit party rally, and so afraid of a milkshaking was he that the local McDonald's had to put up a sign by the police that said, we will not be selling milkshake today due to local political activity, okay? That is amazing, okay? But not as amazing as the fact that the Burger King around the corner put up a sign saying, hey, we sell milkshake. Come on! That is capitalism at its finest! I love that shit, man! Well, you, I feel bad because you know for a fact there was at least one Scottish guy walking into that McDonald's that morning with a screaming hangover who just really wanted a milkshake, you know, just, hello, can I have a milkshake, please? And they're like, no. And I was like, what? Why? Because you're going to throw it on a racist. Look, I am a racist, okay? Just give me the fucking milkshake and here, put a plastic straw in it while you're at it. Don't you ever, ever, ever fuck with my juice. Uh, is, is milkshake juice? No. <laughs> Fucking hell! Wow, we're sure about that. Why not? We'll make one, why not? It's milk. It's a 
Uh, so what did you say? It's not fizzy. It's not fizzy, unlike famous carbonated beverage, orange juice, okay? <laughs> good, and we've got a hand up. <laughs> That's good, no, please, madam. It's a meal. A milkshake is a meal, okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I would not want to see your shits, madam, okay? <laughs> okay, good. It's a meal and it's um, and it's not fizzy. I guess that's where the cut-off point is. Um, I, 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 there's no consistency to any of that, okay? See, when the Nazis marched on Prague, okay, local rebels changed the street signs to confuse the incoming forces. And I feel like that is what you guys do. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Nazis, Nigel Farage. Uh, I worry about that shit, man. I worry about what's happening out there. Uh, because I live here in Edinburgh, which is it's a pretty white city, right? And it's, it's a pretty middle class where I live. I'm in Leith, it's become a gentrified. I feel kind of excluded from that conversation. To me, but say you live in a bubble, I feel like I kind of do sometimes, you know? I feel like I don't experience what a lot of other people in Britain are experiencing. And that is why I don't understand a lot of the anger, okay? I was walking down Easter Road recently. I saw a big bus stop. And the bus stop had a sign on it. And it said, live... Comedy Polski, okay? And it was advertising a Polish comedy night here in Edinburgh. I thought, well, that's interesting, okay? Well, I live in Edinburgh. I'm a comedian. I should go. I should see what this is like. So I bought a ticket. I went down. It was a huge venue, a big 300-seater. I got there, and it was sold out, okay? I was at the bar beforehand. I could hear people talking. Pretty much everyone I could overhear seemed to be speaking Polish. I thought, that's interesting. That's... I didn't realise there was such a large Polish community here in Edinburgh, okay? So I sat down. Show's about to begin. The guy walks on stage. He's obviously quite well-known in Poland, right? He gets a big response, huge round of applause. They love him already, okay? He gets to the stage. He starts his routine. And yeah, he was in fucking Polish, okay? <laughs> Couldn't really understand anything that he was saying, all right? But there's something weird happen, right? Stand-up, when it's done properly, it has like a kind of rhythm to it, right? So it kind of goes, na 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 set up, and then ba-ba-bam, punchline, and then everybody laughs, okay? And laughter is contagious. So I, despite not knowing what the guy is saying, start laughing along. It's really I'm like... <laughs> it, was, it was weird, right? But I was kind of strangely enjoying it, right? It was all in Polish, but from about half an hour in, he was really killing it. He was having a good gig, right? It was fun to watch. And he did this big routine, and he went set up, and then he did the punchline, and the punchline was... Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> and everyone lost it. Everyone it was the funniest thing they've ever seen. <laughs> he did it again. He went, no, no, no. Would you like a cup of tea? And I was like, what is this racist nonsense? <laughs> and then he did it one more time. He went, no, 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 no. Would you like a cup of tea? And then he went, okay, I love a wee cup of tea. I was like, you need the Scots out of this, man. That ain't no shit. I walked out, man. I was angry. I was like, I've just been racially abused. I'm probably talking about cups of tea and shit, man. What is that? Okay. And then I tried to calm down. Whenever I'm angry, I try and sort of walk myself through steps of how I've got there so I can find the root cause of the anger. Okay. So I was like, what has happened tonight? I thought, why? I have come out to a Polish comedy night. I don't understand anything that is being said. I was surprised by the, the how large the Polish community was. I thought, that's interesting. Why am I surprised by that? I've lived here for 10 years. Why didn't I know? And I thought, well, maybe it's because in Edinburgh, at least, Polish, they tend to have, they tend to do unseen kind of jobs. And actually, I reckon I probably do 
I do uh, communicate with Polish people a few times a week. I've just never really registered it in my own brain. That's a little, own little sort of kind of subconscious maybe thing I've got. And then, do, do they get treated well in this country? I thought, well, well, they get paid less generally, right? They get paid less by unscrupulous employers who know they can get away with paying them a little bit less because they're not going to moan. Because they're hard workers, aren't they? That's like a stereotype we, we have on the Polish people. The Polish people, they're hard workers. And I feel like we think that's a compliment, but I don't really think it is. I think it's like this weird post-colonial like, well, we're good, but they're bloody, they're hard workers. They're, they're like mules, is what we're saying. They just get on with it. They don't complain. That's what we're saying. They don't complain. I thought, fuck, okay, so we're not really treating well. We underpay them. We stereotype them. And then, then, a couple of years ago, we had a referendum on membership to the European Union, we voted to leave without really so much of a public conversation about what is going to happen to all the members of European states who live and work in this country. So then what happens? They've come out for a night of comedy, a guy walks on stage and he goes, would you like a cup of tea? And you know what? We do say that, man. We do. I've offered people tea before. It's a good observation, you know? So I calmed down. I thought, right, I'm going to go back in. I'm going to try and enjoy this, okay? Because, because I think I... Because I wanted to, you know? I, I wanted to feel like part of something. So I sat down, and then, even though I couldn't understand the guy, I got back into the rhythm of the show. I started laughing, even though I didn't know what he was saying. And I thought, you know what, this is something that's quite beautiful, you know? We are all just fucking meat in a room, laughing at a guy, making noises. And it doesn't matter, I don't get what they are. There's something nice about this, and I hope after October, if Brexit even fucking happens, I hope I hold on to that moment and I pay more heed to my neighbours, be they my Polish neighbours here in Edinburgh, or our European neighbours, you know? And then the show came to an end. Huge round, standing ovation the guy got. There was so, there's such, I really enjoyed it. I looked at my watch, he'd been on stage for two hours, 45 minutes, no interval. I thought, fuck, they are hard workers, man, you know? I'm doing an hour tonight, I'm gonna go home and have a long bath, you know what I mean? If the Polish comedians come for the Edinburgh Festival, I'm fucked, man, I can't keep up with that kind of stamina, you know? Um, right, I've got one more thing to tell you, then we're going to go. This is like the. It's, it's what, two more? This is oh, one more show tomorrow, and it's so nice to have. Saturdays in general can often be full of pricks, okay? And you guys have been exactly that. No, uh, you guys have so nice. One more thing to tell you, man, and that is I've been around the world the last year. I've been to America, I've been to Australia, I've been to Japan, and this Brexit thing, man, everywhere I go, I open my mouth, people have questions, you know? Remember I was in America, I was in a shop, I opened my mouth, guy comes up, he's like, Hey there, buddy! You're from that England! What the darn tootin' heck is going on with that Brexit boy? I was like, fuck, man, you know? Then I got to Australia, again, open my mouth one day, and someone just goes, Oh, mate, you're British? What on earth's going on with Brexit, mate? I was like, fuck, you know? Then I got to Japan, and... People had questions, you know? God bless you, yesterday's audience started chanting, do the voice, so thank you very much for that. Uh, I 
platform. How can I explain to these people what is going on in this country, but in a way that lets them know how I also feel about it, that it's quick, easy, accessible. This is what I came up with, and this is what we're close with. Imagine you're in your house one day, right? You get a knock at the door. A guy, You come down, you open it up. There's a guy there, right? So it looks quite well. Slip back here. He's a salesman type. He's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, we're just going up and down the road. Quick question. Just want to ask, would you like me to not not punch you in the dick? What? No. He's like, ah, so you do want me to punch you in the dick? And you're like, I'm sorry, I misunderstood the question. He's like, too late, motherfucker, I'm gonna punch you in the dick in two years! You'd be like, uh, okay? Doors are shut. She's like, oh, that was weird. You forget completely about it, okay? You do nothing in preparation for what you know is gonna happen in two years' time, okay? Two years later, you get a knock on the door one day, you open it up, the guy's there with a boxing glove on, like, hello! It's dick punching day! You're like, oh shit, I am not prepared for this in the slightest, okay? Hang on a sec, hang on a sec, okay? All your neighbours are looking at you like, I cannot believe that fucking idiot agreed to get punched in the dick. <laughs> stupidest shit I've ever seen. You're like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you come back next week? Right? He's wrapping barbed wire around the world. Going, I'm gonna punch you so hard, man, you've got no idea. You're like, okay, hold the phone. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, okay? Fine, you're gonna punch me in the dick. But let's talk terms. How hard are you gonna punch me? And you get so caught up in the who's and the what's and the how's and the why's and the when's, you forget to just say, here, I made a mistake. I don't want to be punched in the dick. And that is Brexit. So. I was down at the Adelaide Comedy Festival, right? And I did that routine one night. I came out after to get a glass of water from the bar. And the guy comes up to me, a Scottish guy who wants to talk. He's like, here, Paul. Just want to talk to you about your wee Brexit routine. It's very good. <laughs> but, uh, but you forget to mention one or two things, right? Yeah. See, the guy comes up to your house. He's like, here, why don't you get punched in the dick, right? And you're like... Aye, right? Well, what you forget to say is, it's not just you who lives in that house. You've got a couple of flatmates. You've got Hamish. You've got O'Donnell. And you've got Daffet. And see, when you're getting punched in the dick, they're getting punched in the dick. And see, Hamish, like, he's actually quite fucked off about that. Because Hamish tried to move out of that house three fucking years ago. I said, whoa, buddy, calm down, calm down. Would you like a cup of tea? Ladies and gentlemen, that's my show. And that was Homecoming. Thank you again for downloading and listening up until the end. Uh, I'm really grateful that you've done that. Uh, if you want to donate, then the link is below. If you think the show is worth five or ten pounds, that's huge. Um, if you can't, then once again, if you could share um, on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere, word of mouth, stuff like that's great. Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm at Liam Withnail, um, I'm also on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Liam Withnail, and I'll be back at the Edinburgh Festival when it is back, and on tour, hopefully in a comedy club near you soon. Uh, thanks so much, have a great day.